Hi, I'm Millie Thomas, an eating disorder recovery coach. We've created this podcast to raise awareness about all types of eating disorders and help dispel some of the many myths and stigma that unfortunately still surround them. It's hard for me to pinpoint where and when my eating disorder began. It feels like it's like a drug. You know it's bad because you know like this is hurting me but it somehow makes you feel like you're doing something right. He just couldn't sense that I was hopeless. You get to that point where you just you just don't know what to do. This is the End Eating Disorders podcast brought to you by Lockaway Self Storage and Podspot. I began rereading my diaries and actually it enabled me to grieve for the little girl that got horribly lost and I just wanted to take her hand and help her get get out of that terribly dark forest that she was lost in for so many years. You're enough, you're more than enough, and you will always be enough. My eating disorder started at seven. It's been a long and at times slow process. <sighs> the eating disorder's in charge, and your daughter's not there. There is hope at endad.org.au. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I'm really excited today. I am sitting down with the amazing Robin Lawley. Robin is a top model. She was the first plus size model to be shot for Australian Vogue. And Robin was also the first Australian plus size model to be on the cover of Madison, an Australian fashion magazine, and has shot countless editorials for magazines around the world, such as Cosmopolitan, Glamour, Look, Mode, Marie Claire, and Elle magazines, to name just a few. She has also just launched an amazing new podcast, Everybody with Robin Lawley, Surviving and Thriving in a Body Shaming World. Thank you so much for joining me, Robin. Thank you so much for having me, Millie. I would really love to dive straight in and for you to give our listeners an insight into who you are and what led you to doing what you do now. Um, well, yeah, I mean, thank you for such an awesome introduction. Um, I've yeah, had an amazing career. I've got to travel the world uh, through modeling. And, you know, the start of my career was a bit of a shell shocker. I wasn't industry standard um, and didn't really make it. I was unfortunately uh, really big and I couldn't model uh, the standard size, which was, you know, the size zero at the time. Um, so I didn't work as a model. They just kind of looked at me. It was like, you're not the standard size, so you can't model. Uh, so I gave up and then just went about my ways. And then Chelsea, I was introduced to Chelsea Bonner because everyone was like, you should model, you should model, you should model. Um, and then I was like, you know, I'm going to give it another go. And I won some competitions and, uh, yeah, so I gave it another go and Chelsea Bonner was like, I'm going to change your world. And I then suddenly was modeling as a quote-unquote plus-size model, um, which I hated the term because I suddenly was modeling for a quite different size bracket at the time, you know. Um, you know, it was a size bracket from 10 to 20. Uh, so I was modeling uh, that size bracket and suddenly my career took off. You know, I got to model uh, very successfully and then I got a ticket to the world. And I got to travel the world. And then I got to live in America. And then I was shooting editorials. And I got to travel, which was the best part. And But, you know, it was groundbreaking at the time because I still wasn't invited 
into the regular, you know, fashion world. And we were changing and we were really demanding size inclusivity. And uh, it was revolutionary in the terms of like demanding editorials to include us. So we wanted magazines to include uh, different sizes because they just weren't at the time. You know, we would just see fashion and catwalks just really have this really heavily skinny body down the runway. And it was just like, why? You know, I just never understood why one body type would just dominate that runway. When we look on the streets and we see so many different types of bodies. And, you know, I think fashion looks great on everybody. I don't really see why this really stick figure was setting, you know, down that runway. And um, so eventually uh, we won, you know, but not won, but eventually my body was seen by some editors and, you know, eventually I was included on Vogue Italia cover with Tara Lind and Candice Tafine for Stephen Mizell, which was such a ground win and, and then the kind of change from there and then I got to go on more editorial. How amazing. Did it feel just incredible? Um, that cover was such a, like, ground-breaking cover for my career that, after that cover and like it was such a hustle and bustle before that cover like I think um you know definitely that cover changed my career in so many ways and then after that cover we just got more covers and more editorial and yeah and then it definitely you know changed my career in definitely a different direction and then the whole industry I felt like was going in that kind of direction of inclusivity and still to this day I think it is you know, it has changed so much more. And I see different ethnicities, different ages, different disabilities, because that's what, you know, my Audible series is about, is getting all those um, just variances that we see in fashion, because I just, I find that, you know, that one stereotype of model that we saw for so long, just kind of um, boring at this stage. And I've loved seeing such change within my career. It's been so exciting and it's been such a journey that I've loved being a part of yeah it must have been must be really interesting for you to have seen it really really evolve because over the course of your career it has we've come ahead and ahead in leaps and bounds we've still got a way to go but we're a heck of a, a long way ahead of where we were in terms of inclusivity which is so great and I think you know Chelsea um has been has really really spearheaded that especially in Australia yeah, I mean, the things that we've really seen ahead, things I was really scared of during my career was digital media. Like, to, you know, we've we've got this really weird thing, merely a part of our lives that I'm sure you're really aware, aware of and scared of is digitally things can be altered so dramatically. Mm. You know, things like airbrushing and shape-shifting and liquefy and things in Photoshop, girls have no idea of, a, of the, you know, or the regular person. You know, things can be changed in Photoshop. I'm really aware of Photoshop. Like, I am a photographer myself, so I learned Photoshop really well. Um, so I know the ins and outs of Photoshop, and I'm kind of shocked at what you can do in Photoshop, and I think people have no idea. And things you can edit in video. And look at that Photoshop fail just recently of Kim Kardashian's mm. new line. You know, that just came out. I think people have no idea how much you can Photoshop in moving media, in digital 
media. And I think, you know, we're under such pressure and scrutiny these days that every image that you've seen is pretty much photoshopped these days. It's so frightening. I think about the generation growing up now and coming through where social media is just such an integral part of their lives. And 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 this these images that are absolutely, as you say, retouched, liquefied, um, Instagram filtered, and you know, at least we are aware enough, um, we're mature enough to know that filters are being used, Photoshop is being used. But those young ones that are coming through and what they're seeing in the magazines, the billboards online, they don't know the level of photoshopping that goes on and then they're constantly comparing themselves to those images and feeling like they don't measure up and feeling like they need to change themselves. It just, it horrifies me. Yeah. So like that's a a part of my series is just like learning to maybe not care, maybe learning to feel like enough, you know, maybe turning off the filters, maybe being okay and learning to the shame game and like letting go. And I wanted to explore like why is it, you know, why, like, when can you feel like it's okay? Like, let, like being okay with scars, being okay with stretch marks, being okay with wrinkles. And it was really like my Audible series was a really fun series to interview people like Turia Pitt, Lucy Bloom, like these really astounding figures that have come to terms with these like different journeys and different parts of their bodies that are just so because I'm in the fashion world, I'm in the model world, it's such a different world to, you know, it's this perfection world. Like it's such a different, it's like you have to be perfect at all times and you have to have this perfection. And then, you know, I had such a severe accident recently and then I wasn't perfect. And then I had come to terms with that. And then, you know, people I think were always expecting me just to, you know, get rid of my scars, get rid of... um everything and just do because you know you can get rid of all the scars you know you can Mm. I think people don't know the level of laser I think people don't know the level of Botox or plastic surgery these days and then I just thought um I don't want to and I think I think scars are kind of badass and I think scars tell a story and why should I have to get rid of something that I just don't want to and and I think people are shocked by that kind of journey of someone taking and it was just awesome in my series to be able to talk to people that have taken that same route and um, it was liberating and the fashion world I think is coming to terms with those people and the fashion fashion world has a long way to come I think. I love that you've embraced your scars you know I I think I think it's so important We're, we're human and they're almost like battle scars, right? Through life, these experiences, these memories that we make, um, whether they be good, bad, uh, traumatic, at the end of the day, they make us who we are. And, you know, if we stand up and own, just like we own our stories, right? Um, less shame, less stigma, um, and encourages people to just embrace themselves wholeheartedly. What made you decide to go into modeling? Um, definitely the travel, you know, for me and the fashion, like I'm, I'm very into, you know, fashion, like I'm wearing one of my captains I design. Um, you know, I think it, it's a representation of who you are. Like you can dress up, dress down, like it in an instant, you can change who you are in with fashion. 
you know, people can look at you and like, I'm six foot two bordering six foot three. So I get stared at no matter where I go, you know, I'm like <laughs> tall, you know, like walking around New York city. It's like, I'm just heads above people. So it's, <laughs> you know, it's, I think fashion, it's just, yeah, I, I love it. And I love op shopping. I love finding really unique, crazy stuff and I'll wear the most, crazy unique stuff I can I love it like and London has amazing fashion like I know all the great fashion in London and New York City and I love going around um and my auntie was a designer my grandma was a designer you know it's in my family it's my blood so um yeah I love it and my my auntie was also a model as well so it's (laughs) it's and my sister wanted a model too, so she dragged me to lots of agencies. <laughs> so, yeah, jeans. it's just in my jeans that, you know, it's just one of those things. And then, yeah, it, it just happened to work out. And, um, you know, I'm still I'm wanting to design more things. I you know, wanted to get into mushroom leather next. Amazing. That's kind of like, you know, something because I was doing swimwear, which I love doing, but it wasn't eco. Um, and that was a that was a plus size swimwear label, wasn't it? It was an everyone label, okay. actually. We did we kind of were we were sizing, you know, eight to twenty at the time. Absolutely. Uh, but it's exciting that, you know, I mean, I think when you're passionate about things, your brain's sort of always firing about different ways to to keep, you know, little projects little projects happening. Well, I'm filming a cooking show right now. That's why I'm like saying an exasperated voice because I'm like, calm down, Robin. <laughs> I'm like in the midst of filming my cooking show. So I'm like, well, let's just get one thing done at a time. <laughs> get one thing done at a time because that's what I always do. I always pile up things myself. Um, but yeah, I'm filming my cooking. Robin Lolly eats vegan. So that's what I'm actually doing right now because it's summer here right now. So it's so beautiful in New York right now. It's like like a like it's a book I wish it was daytime right now because I'd actually take you out in my garden but it's like nighttime um it looks like a picture of a book it's so beautiful upstate New York it's so beautiful oh, here I can imagine I can imagine yeah now when going back to modeling you know when you had that pressure to be a certain size you know, did that affect your body image, the way that you, you know, chose to exercise and eat? Like, how did that evolve for you? Um, yeah, when I was young, I, you know, I tried to lose weight. It, it sucked. I didn't do very well. Um, you know, I, try, you know, tried to lose weight in stupid ways. And then, obviously, when I could model at my regular size, I just stayed as it's like, it's, easy for me because it's just me as is like I don't have to do anything and for me um I love doing yoga and I love you know eating right but my diet is very important to me like I eat very well like because you had both lupus and APS didn't you so for those people who aren't aware of that can you explain what that is yeah, lupus is an autoimmune disease and APS is also an autoimmune disease. So APS is antiphospholid antibody syndrome. It's a mouthful, um, but it's a blood clotting disorder and lupus is uh, also an you know, autoimmune disease. And um, yeah, so the 
green smoothie is like a hyper nourishment and it keeps them in remission, which is incredible. And so I don't have to take like Plaquenil, which is like the drugs or chemotherapy, which is the drugs to keep um, them yeah, at bay. So it's an amazing way to keep my lupus in remission. And I'm really thankful that I found the doctor that uh, suggested the diet to be able to keep these diseases in remission because the APS caused a stroke um, after my daughter was born and that caused epilepsy. So I have the damage from the stroke, unfortunately, um, but the lupus has a lot of uh, side effects. So I'm able to keep the lupus at bay. So, uh, yeah, diet has a huge, huge impact on your body. But if um, you can, you know, hyper-nourish your body, you can also keep things, I think, like cancer and autoimmune diseases. Has battling, you know, those long-term illnesses affected how you view your body in terms of, you know, being so grateful for the fact that you're here and you are able to, to live your life as, you know, as best you can? Uh, yeah, you know, I'm very thankful, you know, and I, I practice yoga. Um, I do yoga like four to five times a week. Um, I have a, an amazing yoga instructor. Um, she's been incredible. And uh, she, I do yoga now, thankfully, because of COVID. <laughs> I get to do yoga like virtually. So I used to do it in the city when I was in New York City. But now because of COVID, I get to do it virtually, which has got COVID has had its benefits. Um, but my favorite yoga instructor does it virtually now, uh, Bethany Lyons. She's in, she's in a crazy, amazing yoga instructor. Um, but I love yoga, and I think yoga is an incredible way to keep fit. Um, that's how I keep fit and try to hike in the mountains and nature. And But, yeah, I think, you know, waking up, I'm incredib- incredibly grateful. You know, having lived through a stroke, you know, I view my body as, you know, just an incredible machine, like, you know, and I view my body as, uh, my friend and my ally you know she's my savior she's not you know she's not I don't view her as anything else but my friend I think that's such an important concept you know with people in the midst of going you know through eating disorders it's so easy for it to be this you know um, push and pull relationship where it feels like your body's your enemy um, and it's not doing what you want it to do and it's not looking how you want it to look And I think it's so, so important to switch that to, as you say, your body being your friend. It's, it's absolutely essential and you need to nourish it uh, in order to be able to, to live life to, to a full capacity. I think, you know, my agents are kind of shocked when I was like, I'm, you know, moving out of the city and I'm moving to the woods because unfortunately I have to like live in a kind of fairy tale land because I'm going to take care of my body and give it the best I can because that's just the way I have to treat it now with epilepsy. Well, at the end of the day, you know, they're the vessels within which, you know, we are able to experience this life. And if we don't look after them and we don't nourish them um, spiritually, mentally, physically, um, they've all, they're all we've got. And so it's so, so essential that, that we do that. Now, I just want to go back again to back to modeling and you know you were the first plus size model to be shot for Australian Vogue 
how did that feel? How did people react at that time? Yeah, like I, it's so funny so going back to that time because I didn't feel very curvy, you know, but at the time it was such a big deal, you know. It's so it's such a big deal at the time. Um, we were a bit bummed that I didn't quite get the cover, you know. We thought we, I'd got the cover because I'd just got the cover for Italian Vogue and we shot the uh, cover. We thought I'd shot the cover for Australian Vogue, but I didn't quite get it. But we'd shot the, we shot for Australian you know, Vogue. So um, Chelsea and I were ecstatic, you know, we'd, it had been done. So we'd got it. So Chelsea was over the moon. She'd been after that for her career. So my agent was ecstatic. And um, yeah, it was an amazing moment for me, for, you know, for my career. I'd never thought I'd ever shoot any kind of Vogue. <laughs> so, you know, for me, like, I, yeah, I never thought I'd be on any cover for any magazine, let alone Vogue Italia or Vogue, you know, I never thought I'd be in any kind of Vogue or let alone Vogue Australia. So, what are, what are I, your yeah. thoughts on the use of words like plus size and body positive? Um, like I said in the, the beginning, I don't think plus size is that kind of like necessary, especially for models. I think that should just be called model um, and just like what size you need in terms of you know, even as a designer, like, I would just be like, I need this model in this kind of size range, you know. I wouldn't, but when booking a model. Um, and there's so many size ranges now. I think there needs to be more size ranges in models. There's only kind of this two size range area where it's like we need this, you know, model or this model. And there's not enough size ranging in models. Like they want you to be really small or really curvy. There's not enough middle ground. So there actually needs to be more size range in terms of that area too. What are your views on the effect that social media has on body image? Um, that's just like such a huge, like it's, you know, it's a minefield. It's, you know, definitely, I you know, yeah, it's a minefield. It's like, I you know, I have a daughter, so I'm like nervous. It's yeah, I worry. Like, I mean, yeah, do you worry about her growing up in this society where we're all so image obsessed? Yeah, like I just you know, I, I hope if you just teach them the size can. <laughs> I have no idea. I worry, man. I have no idea. I um, <laughs> yeah, I've, I'm worried. The moment she gets that phone and that Instagram and stuff, I am worried. I can assure you, um, yeah, I am worried. Deeply, deeply, deeply worried. <laughs> As a mother, I can assure you I am very, very worried because I have no idea what age group to get it. Like, yeah, as a mother, I am worried. So I think, yeah, I'm trying to get her outside as much as I can and teach her nature and get her doing sports and activities. That's what I'm trying to do. And I think limit social media time. And, like, I would be on there. I, I wouldn't be, like, I'd be involved with your child as much as possible. I wouldn't be just letting them go haphazardly. You know what I mean? Like, I'd be watching out, you know, because who knows what they're looking at. It's so, so essential because, as you say, all these little things can just pop up and all of a sudden, you know, they're looking at really highly, highly 
which is toxic. They are toxic images. They really are. Like, yeah, because the yeah, image- and like they target them. You know, like mm. they're like algorithms to target them. Like, and I mean, even the stuff that like you know, you look at one second that you spend a little longer on one image. And then it's targeted now to you to all those images for you. You know what I mean? Like they're, it's mathematical algorithms for you, you, you know, social media. It's like advertisement for you. It's social media is like a marketing, marketer's dream. It's, you know, it's um, capitalist dream. You know, it's money, 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 money. They want you there on purpose. Mm. So I would, I would make time for your children, and I would be watching out 100. percent Yeah, and you're right, like because they, they just it just preys on our insecurities in every which way that they can. Yeah, yeah, and they know it. They know exactly. They know exactly how much time that you spend on each image. They know, so they're gonna spend. They're gonna target exactly like you said. They're gonna target your insecurities. What would be your advice to young women or men who are wanting to get into modeling? How can they protect themselves from the body image pressure? Um, good question. Um, like, uh, <laughs> this is pretty funny, but shit model management on Instagram is pretty good. They give out good advice. Um, but just if an agent is telling you to like lose weight and do this and do that, then probably are not a really good agent either. Um, you know, I'd be going to an agent that encourages you and loves you for who you are. Um, you know, and builds you up, doesn't bring you down. Those are the kind of agents that you want, you know, people that don't ask you for money, people like that, like shady stuff, you know, I'd be doing that kind of stuff. You know, you want an agent that, is not um, asking for money. Not it's you want. There's a lot of information out there. Um, but yeah, ship model management actually has a lot of good advice. I have to say, um, yeah, you can follow them on Instagram. They have a lot of good advice. And Model Alliance, some Sarah Ziff. Yes, she has. Yeah, she has a lot of great advice as well. And she wants a union for models. Uh, to get us better protected because the unfortunate thing with models is there's so many of us that come in and out so fast and um, it, we're not protected really like actors are. So a lot of us come in and get used and abused and thrown out and we're very young when it happens and then we get thrown to the streets when we're very young. So it's a matter of um, she's trying to get it more protected so it's not so when we're so young and we actually have a better stance when, you know, this stuff happens. And, um, but yeah. What would you like to see change in the modeling industry to encourage body diversity? Um, let's see. Just, I would like just an open use of like more, um, disabilities, diversity and ethnicities, curves, just like, I think it's all going in the right direction. I think we're asking, I think the runways especially, um, you know, we didn't get to see many runways this year with COVID, unfortunately. Um, it was mainly in Australia that I've been seeing any runways. We didn't get yeah. to see any in, in New York, really, because there was like one runway I saw. 
Um, but it did have diversity. The run, the one runway I saw in New York had diversity, and I was like, yes. Yeah. Um, so just more of that, you know, and it did. So I was proud. And so I think the one I did see had a lot of diversity, so just more of that. So, and I think yeah. it's important that it's not just like, I know there's a lot of talk online about it not just being token, you know, just the token diversity. Yeah. Like it actually needs to be true. Yeah, like more than just one too, you know, more just like the one token. Like lots of ethnicities, lots of ages and lots of curves, you know, like and it, and it, I have to say there was a few that, um, I think it was Michael Kors' runway in New York City. That I saw. It was the only runway I saw, but it did have a few curves and it did have a few ethnicities, and it might have had a few ages, you know, like which is cool because age is the last frontier. You know, I feel like age is like because um, you know I saw uh, Aqua Blues runway and they had a seventy-year-old model, which was awesome. Yes. Yeah, you know, I think age the epic and Paulina Poshikova talks about it a lot too we talked about it in my audible series and I think age is like because you kind of just forgotten once you reach a certain age and like after like just when you get to menopause like they don't talk about menopause enough and I think that's kind of like the last frontier in the fashion world and stuff yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because that time of life can be, I mean, I'm seeing a lot of um, people come through who are developing eating disorders, you know, at that age, after menopause, after kids, you know, when they are older and then they're starting to become more and more aware of their bodies and feeling like they need to somehow change them. And it's really, really sad that people feel this pressure to conform and change to a way that society, you know, who 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 decides what the ideal is, right? And what's beautiful and you know, I I I would just love to see people being able to embrace living in their bodies in which whatever, you know, wherever their body's happy place like as I call it is. It's just so important yeah. and I say to my clients all the time, unless you allow your body to get to its happy place, then you will be fighting against yourself for the rest of your life because your body naturally knows where it wants to be. Yeah, no, 100%. I know like that, there's an age, like you said, there's this weird, that weird age bucket too where they're just like, yeah. Well, actually, I spoke to a few women in the age bracket that they all said the same kind of thing. That yeah, there's this, and you also you might or might not lose your partner in that age bracket too. It's just like weird forgotten age bracket. So it's like now you've just launched your amazing new podcast, everybody with Robin Lawley. What was the catalyst for you, for you creating that series, and what do you hope to achieve with it? Um, well, it was obviously it was during well, well obviously it was just it was a weird pandemic shutdown <laughs> life changed um, quite dramatically quite quickly yes we were suddenly stuck inside and um naima brown um the producer uh we wanted to do a podcast together and yeah we were talking and we d- decided on the series together and we came up with it because of kind of stuff i'd been through and kind of stuff that she had been through herself and yeah and the people that we'd come up with and who I wanted to speak with and Cheerio Pitt was high on my list um 
I, I found her so incredible and I just really wanted to interview her and interviewing people I loved. I'm sure you, <laughs> I love interviewing people. I didn't realize I'd love it so much. And now when I meet people, I'm like, oh, I just want to, like, I have this list of things I want to interview them later. I'm like, man, I have to really do another series because I have so many things I want to interview them. Um, so, yeah, it was a really astounding thing to get to do. And it really helped me um, with my own accident and accidents and just being able to talk with someone that, that had been through a kind of like way more hardcore accident than myself, I suppose, in a way. Um, or on some weird level to that had kind of understanding of some kind of accident as well. You know, it was like, um, I don't know, it, it just helped me heal in some way. I think it's always so wonderful when you can do something that's going to contribute um, to the world and, and help people have a better understanding about the importance of diversity and um, embracing ourselves. But when it can also, you know, light you up inside as well whilst you're doing that, it's such a wonderful thing, isn't it? Yeah, and the stories like on there, like, I mean, they're incredible and the people that are on there are incredible and like they're, yeah, I love I love the people that we got to like meet and, and interview and the people like, yeah. I loved it. Was there one thing, you know, one sort of common thread or something that really stood out for you that, um, across all the people that you interviewed in terms of, um, you know, say, for example, tenacity or, um, you know, how they viewed their bodies or was there, was there anything that really stood out for you? I loved how they're tenacious. I loved how they held their body in such a light and, like, it just, like, like I said, it didn't matter to them, like, how like their bodies were like I said before like their friend and like how they held their bodies in such a way like like Tui Fit now is like an iron woman you know she's just like she's a hero in such a light that she's I mean I don't even know how you can be an iron woman like I have I could do yoga a few times a week but I had such a I can't even run up a hill someone's an iron woman I'm like how how do you do that? Like they're just like a another hero, like another species in my book. When they're an Iron Woman, like I have no understanding of those kinds of people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like I just love to uh, try to understand them. Like I find them so incredible. Um, so yeah, and just I think yeah, just they actually were so different. The people we interviewed, mm-hmm. they were each so different and I you know hid my epilepsy from the fashion world for so long you know after I had one seizure I had another seizure and then I had another seizure and I didn't know after three seizures you have epilepsy and I remember getting the diagnosis and the lady telling me so oh you know with your epilepsy and I was like wait what you know and I was so shocked suddenly I had epilepsy you know, I thought people with flashing lights and discos had epilepsy. I didn't know that I suddenly had epilepsy. And it was such a shock diagnosis for me that um, I just kept it hidden because I was so, so shocked that suddenly I had epilepsy, you know, that, you know, it was such a shock to me that I just, just didn't tell anyone and, you know, had another seizure and then had another seizure and 
for a couple of years and then didn't know how to tell people at that stage, you know. So it was a great way for me to tell people in my podcast. So it was liberating in that way. Oh, it's so fantastic. I keep recommending for people to listen. I'm like, go and listen to this podcast. It's incredible. Um, I think everyone everyone will take something away from it. Everyone will learn something from it and will be left sort of just thinking about things. And I think that's a sign of a really good podcast when you go away from listening to an episode and you really, your mind sort of whirring away in the background about particular things. What has been the most valuable thing that your body image journey has taught you? Um, well, that we are, like you said before, human. <laughs> um, yeah, that, you know, our bodies, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, for me, I mean, my body is incredible. I mean, after the birth of my child, I didn't think, you know, I could birth a child, but my body, that's what my body image, I mean, I never thought I could do that um, and then rebound in terms of like just come out of that alive. <laughs> um, you know, I know a lot of women kind of always say that, but childbirth is kind of one of those next level um, experiences. Um, but yeah, uh, I yeah love my body and I know that's a cliche uh, answer, but it is, you know, I, really do appreciate my body and um I am trying to just love every bit every weird bit um every giant bit because I know I'm really super tall and (laughs) and I love my tallness and my giant feet and every every part of it well this is the thing like I think we get so hung up on this homogenous look whatever you know and again it changes like if we look across history as to what the look was, the in look at the time, uh, for want of a better word, and it's constantly changing. And this homogenous look that society, you know, strives after, it's just so boring. Like we're all here, we're all so unique, we're so diverse. And I'm always saying to my clients that we could all eat the same and do the same, we're all still going to look completely different because we're all genetically built differently. And I think yeah. that's so fantastic. Like you look around and you see people of all shapes, sizes, ethnicities, um, abilities, and that's what makes our world so colourful and so wonderful. It's not something to hide away. Yeah, exactly. I know. And that's, you know, we've got to just celebrate our differences, celebrate our sizes. And exactly. I, that's exactly right. Now, finally, what words of wisdom would you like to leave our listeners with, especially those who are still in the midst of their eating disorders and really, really struggling to come to a place of acceptance with their bodies? Yeah, um, just exactly. I mean, like we've been saying, just honestly, if you can really love your body, she's your best friend, she's your ally, or he, he's your best friend, he's your ally. If you can, I know it's a struggle, but try to fall in love with your body. It's so, so important. Much easier said than done, but it is absolutely possible and so, so essential to being able to live a life where you're at peace with yourself. Yeah, I know. 
and I and I and it's like I I know it, like you said it is so much harder and I think it's unfortunately like listen to my podcast <laughs> listen to my podcast too like get up and I think listen to those some of those people I interviewed too because like those people were badass man like Lucy Bloom gives some badass like epic you know stand up um, you know speeches too I think. Some of those people I spoke to, you know, they give those epic TED talks and things like that that just well, make you things, feel good. Yeah, it puts things back in perspective, doesn't it? Yeah, it definitely does. And I think any like life-altering situations put things into any kind of perspective. That standing on a knife edge puts any life into perspective. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me today, Robin. It's been so wonderful to talk about. We've talked, covered so many different topics. Um, I so admire you and everything that, that you do. And hopefully one day soon I will be able to give you a hug once all this COVID business starts to calm down. Thank you so much for having me, Millie. This is the End Eating Disorders Podcast, brought to you by Lockaway Self Storage and Podspot. Your financial support will save lives. Donate at ended.org.au. I always used to think, like, how can people not hear what's going on in my head? 